Hi, this is Josh, producer and editor for Podcast Without Name. Welcome to episode 3. As with any new thing, there was teething issues with this episode, so I apologise for any issues that may come through. Uh, But all the same, I hope you enjoy the episode, and thank you for listening. Yeah, I can hear you. All right. Uh, introduce yourself, brother. All right. So, yeah, I'm Jonathan Schrader. Um, I'm an artist and a visionary, and Lucas asked me to come if I would be interested in doing his podcast, and I was, so I'm here, and I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So, where would you like to start out, brother? You were talking about uh, addiction earlier. Yeah. Um, we're going to go through the story and, and get to where we're at, then I suppose we need to. Um so, where do I start? Uh, as far back as I remember, I never felt right. Like, growing up as a kid, as a teenager, like, I, it's hard to put words on what it is. Maybe a kind of emptiness or a kind of dis-ease um, with myself, with life, with feeling comfortable in my own skin. And um, general so anxiety. Said, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, that's. I think that's part of it. I think there's other kind of aspects to it. The general anxiety, general depression, the things that, like, everybody deals with, like, yeah. And um, getting into drugs is a way to escape that. And um, the uh, when you get addicted to something, it's like it. you're almost hypnotized. It takes over your thoughts, and you become uh, obsessive with it and compulsive with using it. So it's like an obsessive-compulsive... Um, addiction and I went through that for years and years I was utterly lost uh, the drugs I was addicted to were my higher power they were um, they were my will my will was for them um, and it put me in a state of consciousness that was very selfish and self-centered lots of self-pity resentment um, lower negative energy and I just sunk in it and I stayed in it until I sunk right. all the way to the bottom, which took almost two decades. I'm 36 now. I got clean two years ago. So, uh, yeah, it, it took Congratulations, a brother. Uh, thank you. I do appreciate that. Uh, when I was, uh, so I'm, I'm in the worst of my addiction, and I was listening to Tool one night. It, uh, I had heard that, I knew who they were. I'd never really gotten into it. And the song Sober was playing, and I was uh, reading the lyrics to the song while it was playing and I it's like that moment of clarity right I realized holy shit this is me this is who I've become and this is how I live and treat people and um and then like I was so moved by that that I got into all their songs and started exploring and it activated an awakening in me so my my what usually people go through an awakening in recovery but mine started in my addiction and then uh some months later, I got into a 12-step group and started working the steps, and which focused on um, looking at who we are for real, like recognizing we have a problem, becoming willing to do something about it, looking at who we are for real, um, and getting our secrets out. It's like we're only as sick as our secrets, right? And addiction is just full of secrets. So it's really like this right. spiritual sickness, um, as well as probably a mental disease is probably another 
good, you know, accurate way of describing it, but it's like a spiritual sickness. You're spiritually bankrupt and empty inside. So like without the drugs to fill that emptiness, I was left with the emptiness. And that's where recovery was important because I was able to fill that emptiness with spirit. I was able to seek the will of a higher power, not just the will for drugs, but a will of uh, living a righteous life. And um, right. that process, I had more of a spiritual awakening. It's like these levels, you know, you keep hitting one after the, like climbing a ladder. And um, as I stepped into my ascension more, uh, I started doing spiritual practice outside of 12 step. Uh, and I'm a universalist. So anything I can get my hands on, Ron, the Bible, the Book of the Tao, Buddhism, yoga, like all that stuff, give it to me. And eventually I started this new path, um, maybe three or four months ago, where I've been learning how to astral project. And I've been um, ascending my consciousness into a visionary state. And uh, that's kind of, it's, that's where my, my head and my heart is right now, um, is uh, living that experience and trying to learn to do something with it that um, feeds me and helps other people. I got you. All right. So, so you talk about this, um, th these visions, these astral projections and dreams you've been having. Uh, do you want to go into that more? Sure. Um, it started out uh, using plant medicine and various forms, you know, uh, just edible marijuana, DMT, uh, psilocybin mushrooms. Um, not just taken willy-nilly or to like cover up the way I'm feeling like you do in addiction, but actually having a whole ceremony of practice and going into deep meditation during the experience. Right. Uh, 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 disciplined, disciplined use. Yeah, ab absolutely. And for the right reasons, with good intention. And uh, right. it's, it's sort of like, um, well, when I was telling you about this, you brought up training wheels. So it was very much like training wheels. At first, um, I needed the plant medicine to experience what astral projection feels like, what the sensations are like, uh, how how my state of consciousness is preceding it, and what it, what it actually feels like to leave the body. And right. doing that a number of times in a number of different ways, I've learned how to do it without the aid of something like that now it's not as if i if i were to astral project right now it's not as um visually brilliant as something like dmt but gotcha. the entity concept and the things i'm seeing are still there right but and, that comes uh, with practice and time though right eventually you can work absolutely. up enough that it, it could be comparable to say a vision on dmt or what have you yeah absolutely and that's the goal uh, to keep doing this thing and um, I've been uh, using yoga because like the state of my spirit, the state of my consciousness, just um, like baseline is important. So, you know, I've been using yoga and um, Wim Hof breathing exercises are fantastic for anybody. I mean, you know, I promote that all day. Wim Hof is wonderful. And, uh, right. you know, continuing my step work, just all the things that that kind of feed this fire. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So, so. And yeah, we, we, we talk about this uh, astral, uh, astral projection and these uh, these visions. What specifically were you seeing? Okay, so uh, let me let me kind of give the story of how these visions have progressed. So uh, the first one I had actually was back in my addiction. It wasn't uh, purposeful. 
It's just something that happened. And um, I had uh, hit some DMT. I, it was the first time I ever had. It was a terror. It was terrifying my first time because uh, the ego is like trying to figure. It thinks it's dying because it doesn't understand the experience it's having. Right? The ego's like the animal part right. of the brain. It's it's not equipped. So um, there was like a panic that you know hit me. The the physical sensation starts to hit the body. Um, bright, brilliant geometric patterns and everything starts everywhere. And then there's like this pop almost. Like it felt like it was going to rip my body apart. But I, I, it, it wasn't right. painful. But there was like a pop and you like leave the body and there's this sense of like acceleration. Like you're moving really, really fast. And I came to this being um, who would later tell me that he's the god of plague. And uh, he was beautiful. The most beautiful man I've ever seen. And he was humanoid tall he looked like egyptian maybe dark skin dark eyes uh, and he had the pharaohs like that pharaoh cap or cloth that they wear you know with the just like a little um, gold piece here yes you see, like a snake on it and um he wasn't looking at me and i came into his field and he turned and he looked at me and when he turned he looked at me um you know how when you look someone in the eyes you feel that it's almost like a sense of like eye contact Right. It was like that to amplify right. it. And I could, I could feel, I could feel him going through my deeds, like a, like a card catalog, like looking through, like looking, okay, what's this one? And he brings up this, um, I was 11 and I shot this rabbit in the back. I didn't need to eat. Um, I wasn't like hunting or anything. It was just in my yard and I just killed this rabbit to kill it. So like, he points this out to me and he tells me, like he's he's like you wanted to come over here well don't come over here because i make you deal with yourself and he made me feel right. the rabbit's pain so like i felt the bullet i felt the terror i uh felt the loneliness and the despair of like my life shrinking from me and uh he sent me back <laughs> put me back in my body so like that was the kind of introduction to this i've heard a lot of people say that like a uh, a bad trip is often more productive than a good one because you're learning from your mistakes all at once. Right, right. Yes, we learn from pain. You know, the pain is the teacher. Right. And yeah, so um, that started this whole thing off, and that was shortly before I hit my rock bottom. And uh, then I go through recovery. So it's like, I think these beings had wanted to work with me or have me work for them all this time. But there was like a purification process that had to happen. So it's like uh, going right. through the worst of my addiction and uh, recovery was kind of like passing the kidney stone uh, or going through the crucible, like burning the impurities away. Um, and it's like once I had purified enough, then it's uh, I, I had that divine inspiration to want to go back in and want to meet these beings more and have more of these visions. Um, and uh, ever since a like two or three months ago, I've been going through this. I've been meeting angels. Every time I cross over, I meet angels. Um, Uriel, Benuel, Gabriel, Metatron. Met Metatron was the first one I met. Uh, he was, they're all really tall and huge. And he was blue and made, he looked like he was made out of blue crystal. And he took me across the rainbow bridge. So like he took my consciousness across this bridge that, um, that I guess it linked me. My soul's linked with this other realm now. Like I have access to it. They're right. giving me the key, you know, to the city. I can come to the city now. 
And uh, he told me that I was selected to come and be among them. And um, then, then, you know, like each one of these experiences build incrementally. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I met Ariel. So um, Ariel was like this big starfish thing. And um, studying the Merkaba after the experience, I, I recognized that this is a wheel, the chariot. So like the chariot holds the throne room, the throne of God. And the wheels to the chariot that drive it are four archangels, one of them is Uri. And it, it looked like a big starfish. And right at the very center was like purple dancing fire. And in the purple dancing fire was the form of a woman. But as soon as I would like try to focus in on it or like define the features, they would change. Um, it's like you couldn't hold what it looked like in your mind. Um, right. Then out from the center, it was like dark pink, salmon, and then like brilliant yellow light on the outside edges. And this whole thing is just like dense light. It's not like a body like humans have, but it's like this condensed light. And across the surface of it was like symbols, you know, like the Star of David, the cross, zodiac symbols, and like, but as soon as you would look at them and try to like, what am I reading here? It would change into Hebrew, like, or what looked like Hebrew alphabetical letters and then that would change into like actual people and body parts and it's like the whole thing was just churning and moving and it's like he just came to, to check me out and to show me that he was there and um, the only thing Uriel said to me was stop trying to define me if you're not allowed to define me you can't stop trying you're getting caught up in the wonder of this like just, just be here now just be right here you were trying to make something abstract into a concrete image for yourself so you could better understand it but that's not that's not what they wanted they said no you experience these as pure experiences not as um a solid concrete memory absolutely yeah um okay you know there's another that's interesting that you brought that up because it reminded me of uh right after i'd met the metatron i had one of these experiences around my birthday and I was able to see, it's it's weird the way truth works, right? Because everybody has their own truth and there's like science is trying to find an objective truth. Nobody can really even agree right. on that. Um, and so I was in this other realm and it was showing me a thing, right? And it was two right. opposing truths, but the two opposing truths that opposed each other existed simultaneously. But when I was trying to say that out loud, like trying to say those two truths at the same time out loud in the 3D to the people around me it didn't make any sense. I sounded crazy. It's like you can't bring right. this stuff here. Yeah, just it, it, right. it can't be two things at once. Right, right. Um, so uh, this last experience I just had, they actually took me inside the throne room. I'm not allowed to talk about what's in there, which I want to, but like I understand why they. you're just not supposed to. And um, right. Gabriel, they, they, they took me in there like a baby. Like I was sitting up in pose like this and I fell over. And like, usually I go in a blissful, no problem. For some reason on this experience, it was hard, it hurt. It hurt going in there. And uh, right. I had fallen over and like Gabriel carried me back out. And he was probably the most beautiful angel I've seen. Uh, gigantic feathers i mean huge wings with big brown feathers that were burnt orange on the outside this brilliant yellow light all around him 
also purple fire and like the biblical description of uh the concentric rings like spinning and uh gabriel's right. been with me ever since like i have not felt presence disconnect me where we're we're linked like we have a right a walkie-talkie Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's awesome. <laughs> uh, it, it is. It's just. It really is. Yeah. Um, okay, so you were talking about. Um, you were talking about tool. That's what brought you out of this addiction, right? Mm -hmm. So, so you made mention that tool was um, alchemical in their music. Could you explain yeah. that to me? Okay, so um, it's really dense to go through a whole album, but I can select one song and give you a good example. So they have this song called Lateralis. Good. Um, so uh, Lateralis is using um, the alchemy of the Fibonacci sequence. So like, uh, it, it's every, after the first two letters, it's... The, right, right. Uh, uh, one, one, two, three, five, eight, 13, 21. Yeah. yeah. And so on and so forth, right. So it, that's the progression of everything that's physical in the universe because it's fractalized. So like everything has that progression. It's a progression of 1.618. So um, right. at exactly 1.618 minutes, the lyrics kick into the song. The drum beat is going in the Fibonacci sequence. The structure of the time signatures and the notes on the guitar and bass are doing the Fibonacci sequence and the syllables of the lyrics are doing the Fibonacci sequence throughout the song. And the content of the lyrics is um, it's telling us not to overthink and not to overanalyze, right? Which is kind of uh, ironic given that there was so much overthinking put into the song. But uh, <laughs> I listened to this I listened to this song when I met the Metatron. Like, like not, I didn't listen to it on purpose. It was just on my playlist and the Metatron came to it. In fact, before I went in in that experience, I asked them, uh, I want, what's like, basically what's the message for the world? What do I come back with and tell people? And so I go in and right. he's like, well, the message is already in tool. Like tool beat you to the punch. Just listen to them. And they, it's like they gave their seal of approval and, um, like in right. this Lateralis song, uh, the lyrics toward the end are direct. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to go through it on the video, but you know, I, I recommend anybody go listen to it. Even the term Lateralis is an amalgam of different words like Lateralis, but it's also like ladder for all of us, a ladder for all of us. And it's the music resonates at a frequency that helps with spiritual ascension. And there's a... I got you. Kabbalistic numerical to the songs that aids in um, uh, transmuting your lower energy into higher energy, and the music really does that. Right. Okay, then. So, I have a question for mm -hmm. you uh, about about the Tool song. So, you say it's uh, patterned after the Fibonacci sequence. This uh, lateralis, mm -hmm. it's patterned after the Fibonacci sequence. So. If that's the case, and it gave you this vision of Gabriel, um, would then different patterns in different songs give different visions? Yeah, I, I think they do. Uh, with Lateralis, uh, it was it was Metatron, um, and uh, when I met Gabriel, I actually had Indian flute music playing. 
So I, and I have noticed like different songs make the experience different because it's, uh, it's almost like I feel uh, the resonance of the music is directing me in a specific direction in a kind of 5D right. matrix. So like there's other kind of directions to go. And it really, there is a link. I think music is sacred and there's a reason the ancients started making it. And it probably had something to do with these altered states like the shamans were going into. Well, it, it's because it's a, it's a form of meditation. It's because it's a form of meditation. It's um, you have that repetition and you hear it. And just like with the, uh, the monks that repeat Om over and over and over again, it's, it's uh, getting you to a different mindset. It's all, it's hypnotism is what it is. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's also order and structure. So like out of chaos, we create order and structure that is creation. Like any, right. anything, you know, a drawing is just a structure of lines or a song is just a structure of noise. Like we make structure out of the random, like that is creation. Right. Okay. That, oof. <laughs> you, you just gave me a lot to think about. Uh. I mean, saying this stuff, I can't imagine, I can't believe I'm saying this. Two years ago, if I had listened to me say this, I'd have been like, yeah, right, bullshit. I, I never would believe this. <laughs> and it, so it feels awkward to share people. Like I've been having Gabriel, right. I mean, he hasn't left my side and somebody might have a problem and he'll tell me, well, they need to do this. And I just, I haven't had the courage to, to, to relay the message yet because it just seems so hokey. <laughs> like I'm bullshitting it, but. Right. So, okay. I wonder, do you have your own, um, for lack of a better term, uh, Daniel, like in the old Testament or like to, uh, translate and interpret your dreams or have you done it yourself and what conclusions have you come to as far as interpreting these dreams? Yeah. So, uh, usually I have a partner I work with, which is great to bounce the experience off of. Uh, she is a medium. Uh, she's also a card reader like myself, and uh, that's been a good way of sifting through the experience. Sometimes I get a little stuck, though, and I might use my own tarot card decks because they're they're reflecting my subconscious back at me. So the things my subconscious is getting that I'm not conscious of getting, they can help reflect that back to me. Um, and then right. another part of it is just research. You know, I'll see things that are outside of my realm of understanding, but I'll have some clues and then I'll get in my books or get online, start looking up things. And then I'll, I'll um, like I started reading, Metatron told me to read the Merkaba. I had never even heard of it. I'd heard the word, but I did not know like it was a series of books and you should read them and learn how to do this whole thing. Um, so I, you know, reading the Merkaba is what made me realize that these are angels because the accounts of the rabbis in the Merkaba of what angels look like is the same thing that I've been saying. I didn't, I didn't instantly know who these people were or that they were angels. That took some reason. So it's kind of, um, it's a lot of work. It, it takes up most of my time every day. I understand that. I mean, it sounds almost, uh, it sounds almost harrowing to have to go through an experience like that. Man, I'm telling you, brother, it's, I'm always scared before I leave my body. Even now, even after I've done it, you know, dozens of times, it, it's always scary. And sometimes it, I'm more afraid than others. And some experiences are very rough and very terrifying. Um, but the results 
um, uh, I, I just feel my higher self pushing me in this direction. I've always uh, been an artist and a writer, and I've always wanted to do something with that. Um, and the spiritual awakening has just been the most beautiful gift I've been given in life. Um, and uh, I was listening to somebody the other day, and he was talking about how you have to monetize your passion. You want to be happy and fulfilled in life, and you have to find a way of feeding yourself with what it is you love doing. And so that's the road I'm on, right? I'm going to manifest, you know, stamp it right. into reality. Like, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to manifest um, the continuation of this progression I'm on spiritually, and I'm going to manifest turning that into my source of income while also right. using it the primary function of helping people with their awakening. Right. Which that's that's exactly what I've been trying to do with this podcast here. Right. I, I yeah. my passion is is unfettered information for all. Okay. The the doing away uh, with uh, misinformation at, you know as much as we can and then being sure that everyone's having discussions not shouting matches. And that you know that's that's what I'm trying to do with well, this. That's yeah, man, that's a harrowing job too, you know, because you're dealing with a lot of uh, a lot of animosity. People don't want to give up their worldview. They go through cognitive dissonance. We all do it, and uh, you know, our society has become so radically polarized. Like trying to be a bridge, that's a harrowing job. Right. Yeah. And see, I hadn't thought of it quite as uh, heroically as that. It, I, I had thought of it more. Um, more in a selfish form, I'll go ahead and admit that it was a um, it was a matter of I wanted to learn things, and I hated that because this side said this side was bad, and vice versa. If I adhered to one side or the other, I couldn't learn, you know, the rest of the worldviews. I wanted to be in the middle, pulling from everywhere, and letting you know, as a result, letting it be uh, a bridge. Uh, I, I hadn't gone in there consciously thinking about it and right what i wanted to what i wanted to do with this is i wanted it to be um i wanted you know i wanted access to information i wanted people to be able to hear conversations about interesting subjects and interesting things that they might not normally think about you know sure yeah absolutely man yeah uh and and what i'm doing and what you're doing even bridges because uh you know i saw a meme recently and it had the golden rule in like eight different religions, right? Which the golden rule is right. you do unto others as you would want done to you. So treating people with love and kindness, like that's basically it, right? right? That's what they're all getting at. Right. So, um, but really what people do, and we're, I, we're all guilty of this, is we do unto others what has been done to us. So like that's the cycle of abuse so like abuse is like a discipleship and this is what the uh spiritual awakening is all about and to bridge it with what you're doing um so like the polarized left and right it's like a toxic relationship they're they're so caught up in blaming the other side they're not holding themselves accountable they're not looking at uh issues with real clarity and there's no compromise you know? right there's no real communication right. They're seeing it. They're seeing it as black and white. There's no shades of gray. They they only see that right. you know they're wrong, we are right, and no willingness to compromise. Right. So it's like uh, they've already decided their position before they've even started 
any kind of discussion, right? Like they already, right. I've, I've already decided that this is what I think and I'm right about it and that's it. And uh, so like, yep. that's, a, that's, yep. a, that's an abuse cycle that we're in. It's a, a karmic cycle that's lower negative energies and um, they're like false contracts. So like uh, the false contract of I'm Republican, so I'm right is or i'm i'm liberal so i'm right is embedded in people and so we have to when people have their awakening we have to help them locate that false contract we have to help them uproot it out of their consciousness and sweep it away and so like that's the whole spiritual awakening and the whole process of spiritual warfare like that's basically what we're doing right okay so so, so you were you were speaking about karma. You said it's a karmic cycle, and we had talked about karma before, I think on one of your posts. Um, I realize there's a lot more to it than what I know, and then, and a lot more to it than what uh, most people know. Could you explain karma to me? Sure. So I think the common conception is that karma is uh, a punishment-reward system for our deeds, and that's deeply oversimplified. So karma is um first of all the word means you're doing so it just means you're doing it you're manifesting you're living this life you're making these choices and you're making it happen so like the idea right. of karma though is that it's the next it's it's they're it's dinosaurs they're dead they don't exist anymore these lower energies they're they're clinging on to existence by getting us to agree that they exist but the moment we look at something and say, you know what, just because I'm Republican doesn't mean I'm automatically right. Boom, it doesn't exist anymore. It's not real. It's a phantom. So um, Dharma is the opposite. So like that's the divine truth coming down. And actually, I had a right. dream, uh, not, a, not, a, not a waking astral projection, but a dream a while back about this very thing. And um, God had said, you hook on the leash and you pull like a beast. So God's Dharma and he's hooking down on this thing. He's pulling like a beast to pull us out of these lower false energies that are causing us to, to treat each other poorly and causing right. us to abuse and all, all kinds of horrible things. So karma is just like this yucky negative goop desperately trying to hang on to existence. But it's not real. Got you. Yeah. I got you. So it's um it's sort of like a um it's sort of like a test, a, a, a trial and tribulation, so that people that are worthy of escaping from it can look to the sky rather than their feet and be uplifted out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. All right, all right, that's awesome. So, okay, so you mentioned Dharma. Uh, could you explain that one a bit? Um. Well, that's just the radiant the divine truth um that's trying to reach down to us all uh, in the bible it says all that is in darkness will come into the light so like dharma is the light reaching down into the darkness right. um okay because once you illuminate once you illuminate what's hidden in the shadow it's you realize it's false it's not real anymore the only thing that really exists is love energy and our eternal right. blissful nature. We are and have always been in paradise. It's the delusion of um, it's the delusion of fear in this construct of other that has us okay. deluded from the truth. Okay, so this um, this higher elevated um, 
like mindset, this consciousness that we uh, we all try to attain because it's what's real, and this uh, this 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 darkness, this negative shit, it's not real. So we're all trying to attain this, which is what um, it, it seems like you're saying is the natural form or the natural state that we're trying to return to. W would you say that's tr accurate? Right. Okay. So yeah. Okay. If that's the um, if that's the case, then. Um, how how did human consciousness evolve out of an animalistic consciousness or uh, your your opinion on that matter do you think it happened do you believe in evolution or, or what's your thoughts on it i do believe in evolution um so like in this realm it almost seems kind of uh like a sacrificial um it's like we as beings come here to, to participate in the sacrifice and we go through pain and limitation and uh, separateness because this is the engine. It's like we're in the engine room and uh, life feeds on life, right? So like death has to exist for life to eat itself. And then um, right. life is uh, the conservation. Continue with that, continue in that cycle. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, life is the conservation. So, like, entropy is killing the universe. Like, uh, the second law of thermodynamics, energy loses its quality as it transfers from one form to another. And life seems right. to be trying to conserve that um, decay. Um, so, it's like we sacrifice as a fragment from the wholeness of truth to come into the, the engine room to participate in the maintenance of the machine. And I do believe that evolution okay. is real. Um, and it's like it's the snake that eats his tail. Like, uh, God created us and we create God. It, that's what I mean about when you go to this realm and there's two opposing truths and you're trying to fit the pieces together and it makes perfect sense over there. But when you come back here, it's hard to, uh, edify it. But, um, Evolution is part of the, you, you stick a seed in the ground and it grows into a tree. So like this place is kind of like a seed that's growing and branching out and evolution is kind of like a higher dimension uh, seed that's been planted and is growing into a tree. Like I do believe that we are going to, the consciousness is going to evolve into back into the non-physical. Um, okay, so, so to me, it seems almost like uh, evolution is kind of um, this higher form of life or this higher form uh, state of consciousness is trying to have a better foothold in the muck, uh, so to speak. Um, yeah. It seems like it's uh, more, more of a merging with this higher consciousness and mixing it with the instinctual animalistic form. And that's essentially what we are. We're the middleman between elevated state and animalistic state. Yeah. What's your thought on that? Yes. Yeah. Um uh, yeah, absolutely. So, like, we were talking about karma and the lower energies. So, karma and the lower energies were running the show when we were dinosaurs. We were, you know, uh, uh, primates that didn't have identity or self-awareness. Um, because uh, without uh, sentience um, to discern choice, everything was operating on instinct. Um, on emotions, right? So, like, we all stuck right. in this middle realm where we still have the emotions from our lower forms, but we're reaching the consciousness of our higher forms. So, like, we're 
we're the layer in between karma and dharma right now. Hmm. Okay, okay. So would you think that the, that there's some credence to the saying that the best ones are always taken early? Because um, they, in essence, they figure out a way out of the muck first or, or what's your thought on that? That they're a pure, you know, a pure soul or a pure bit of good that does not need to be risked being tarnished anymore by this world thus they are taken early what's your opinion um yeah i would just change the vocabulary instead of best i would say those with the highest potential um right obviously there's okay, okay. no there's no there's no equality in the 3d there can't be otherwise you can't have evolution because we have to compete like to evolve but on the spiritual right. level everything is Right. And like, and that's what I've been trying to sort of explain is that competition is what came from the animalistic side of us, the instinctual side. It is what worked originally, initially, because it was, you know, a lower level sort of tool. But cooperation is what we're trying to work towards. We're trying to do away with competition and work towards cooperation, which is the higher state. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because we're making order out of chaos, or we're fighting entropy. Um, right. We're kind of like the. How would I put it? We're the uh, we're the nanotechnology of God. We're a weapon against chaos itself. I got you. And do, do you think that we are a, um, a a a standalone species? Do you think that humanity is the only species throughout the universe that is? Uh, ever been created uh, only want to withstand the test of time um, you think it's ever possible to potentially reach another species other than humanity I don't know that we'll ever reach one but I without a shadow of a doubt believe that this universe is full of life right okay um, so, so you, you mentioned um, tarot cards uh, how, how does that help you with uh, interpreting stuff um, well, I think it's twofold. One, um, the, whoever invented tarot got the archetypes right. That's why they work. Okay. And, the, like, they just, there's no better way to put it. They got the archetypes right. Um, okay. And so there's something that's just magical about them. No matter who's wielding the cards, it's not the person doing it, it's just the cards. And somehow uh ancestors or spirit guides or some kind of other force is able to communicate through them i've seen some really weird stuff i've never seen a reading that was wrong ever another way they help is they reflect the subconscious back to you so um okay. you know we all have things in the shadow and it's like in this blind spot we, we're not looking at it, you know, we don't have a mirror to look back and see what's behind us. And that's sort of what a tarot card does. Is it's, it's the mirror to look at the blind spot that we're not looking at. Also, when I do a reading, I got you. Um, I'm typically, I'm kind of giving away a trade secret here, but I'm just reading the person. I'm just reading them. Right. Um, and then I draw the cards and the cards equate what I'm already reading. And so that's the way around their ego. Because if you just go up to somebody and say, you know what, I see that you're doing this, this, this in your life, and you really ought to, you know, do this instead, 
Like their ego is not going to like that. They're likely right. to become defensive. So the cards are kind of a way to circumvent that. You know, it's, I'm not saying it. The cards are saying it. I got you. It, it's it's a way to um, sort of deflect the ego so that it's not coming out and attacking you. It's more mad at, say, you know, everything else. Right. You know, just the natural order. Right. Got you. Okay. So I believe we had touched on just our our two paths the, the things we're trying to do with uh with our two passions it's it's essentially the same goal i think is uh information we're, we're trying to discover and learn whether it be just ourselves or everyone else or just reality in general we're trying to discover things right, right. so what what are your thoughts on the so uh so-called you know, cancel culture. Some people say it's real. Some people say it's not. What is your opinion on it? Uh, assuming it's real and how bad do you think it affects, um, this ability to discover when it silences so much? I think it's extremely dangerous. Um, if I don't like some of the things that happened in my own past, right? Like, let's say I didn't want to talk about my addiction. Well, first of all, there might be somebody out there who's suffering through addiction who needs to hear my message and needs to identify with me and needs to know that I went through addiction. There's also like- Right, and, and, and needs to know that you made it out. Right, right. And you know, then you need to know where you came from. You need to be honest with all the things about yourself. You can't fix things about you if you're not honest about them. And you don't get to erase your past. On a personal level, you don't get to right. do it. So why on a social level are we like, erasing anything in the past that triggers us like what's triggering us isn't what's important why is it triggering us that's what's important we need our triggers exactly. we need our pain we need our dark history and you know if those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it and it's the same thing if you start canceling history if you start just shutting things down because they say something you don't like i mean that's violating like the first principle of america which is freedom of speech even the things you don't like even if you think children shouldn't hear right. it, like it's important. right. And see, and see, the, the way I think it is is to speak figuratively here. They are look; they're ignoring the shadows because they don't like them, and they are staring only to the sun. But when you stare at the sun, you're going to go blind. You have to see the shadows from time to time, and you have to accept them and deal with them. If you try to ignore everything that makes you feel bad, you're not going to get anywhere. The shit's making, you know, pain is there for a reason. It teaches you, you know, what to avoid. And it teaches you that, hey, something is fucked up. Fix it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I just, I can't get on board with canceling things or editing things or, uh, you know, I don't think they should deplatform people. You know, you may not like what Alex Jones or David Icke saying. They might be full of shit, you know, but you don't, you still, you don't deplatform them. Like, that's exactly. like, I mean, in, in today's age, that's like, how do I say that? Like, it's almost like putting someone in prison digitally because they said something you didn't right. like, you know, just being able to use well, I mean, Facebook is part of how we're communicating. Right. And if you don't have any access to these social medias, then you, you know, you're out of the race. You're, you're effectively 
silenced. You know, if, if you're not able to participate on all these different social medias, you didn't, you have no voice. And people will argue, well, just go outside and tell the nearest person. Okay, well, tell me this: which one's going to spread faster, me telling neighbors or putting a post out on social media? Right, right. And people don't really talk by telling their neighbors and word of mouth that way anymore. That's not how information is getting shared. It's getting shared online. And you're absolutely right. right. It effectively makes you a non-person. Right. And and when you are silenced, you know, it, just because you disagree with someone on something, okay, that's one thing that you do not like. Or maybe a handful of things. But there's billions, trillions, countless ideas, ideologies, things and beliefs that people hold, you know? If you cancel them or silence them because of one or a few things that you disagree with, what are all these other views and viewpoints and ideas that we're losing? Okay, that's there's so much potential lost due to the silencing. Right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, I do hear you, and it's it's frustrating, you know. Um, it's frustrating trying to get people to at least consider what you're saying. Because that's where this polarized cancel culture has taken us to this point where people won't even listen to the other side. Won't they? Won't even right. consider the opposite point or the opposite view. They won't look for middle ground. Uh, they're right, and that's it. And that's narcissism. Like thinking you're always right about everything. And yeah, I mean, even it's if something like racism, and you know, the the, uh, the drawing in that Dr. Seuss cartoon you know was pretty offensive like but you still have to be open-minded you especially right. then like that's where it's most important when you don't want something to be you don't want to accept it that's when you have to be the most open-minded and you have to be open to being right. offended you know right you get offended all the time and see and see a lot of people think that we have this right to not be offended and that's not how it works okay <laughs> You you have a you have a right to ignore somebody if you so desire. You don't have to listen to a view you don't agree with, but it should never be silenced. Okay, you, you know you don't have a right to not have your feelings hurt. Right. Yeah, our right is to free speech, not to not having our feelings hurt. So it's it's being it's being flipped on its head. It's being disseminated that the idea of free to free speech. It's now become the idea of like free received speech or things you know the freedom's on the other side so like i as a listener have the freedom to cancel everything i don't want to hear don't want to read don't want to be exposed to it's being exactly quick. you know it exactly it should never be uh compelled it should be the um the regulation should take place in the self not from an outside source absolutely yeah uh is there something you wanted to something you wanted to pick up on yeah um <clears throat> No, in fact, I feel I feel like I've said what I want to say. Um, uh, I could definitely plug my uh, card reading on here, huh? Is that right? Yeah, go for it. Let everyone let everyone know, dude. Okay, so yeah, um, you can find me on Facebook as Jonathan Sunshine Schrader, uh, and I do have a card reading business, a visionary business. I do chakra alignments and all that. Uh, it's under uh, Visionary Fire Readings. You can search that on Facebook and you'll find it. All right, brother. It's been a fun talk, dude. Yeah, dude. I'm very, very much appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Anytime, man. All right, dude. Peace out, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Peace out. Have a good one.